Hi everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Hans Pearson, CEO of the Store Local Group. And I'm Mark Gregg, I'm the National Head of Revenue for Store Local. In light of recent events, we thought we'd get some experts from all around the globe to share their experiences and give us something to take away and apply it into our businesses over the coming days and weeks. We're really excited, so let's get into it. Well, today, obviously, we were very lucky to have Lydia from Safety Makers here with us to participate in the webinar. So I'd like to introduce you to Lydia. Lydia, Lydia, would you be able to introduce yourself and your business to our fellow listeners, please? Hi, everyone. My name's Lydia Plim. I run a small work health and safety consultancy and training business uh, that operates throughout Australia and into New Zealand. We're called Safety Makers. We supply online uh, safety documents. We also do risk assessments, site audits, anything you need to do with safety. Our main priority is making safety easy and affordable for all of our customers. And we'd like to see our customers come back and back and back and back and then have their own um, ability to self-manage safety. So then at some point they don't need us anymore. So that's what we're all about at Safety Makers. Brilliant, thank you, Lydia. So Lydia, obviously uh, in this current environment with COVID-19, you're certainly an expert in your field. So I've just got a couple of questions that obviously our listeners and even myself would like to, I suppose, seek clarification on. And um, so it's that opportunity for us to, I suppose, listen to yourself. So my first question is, how do we stay on top of the latest advice when it comes to COVID-19 uh, for our fellow self-storage operators? Is there a specific website or what is available um, to everyone out there, please? Well, that's a really good question. To my knowledge, at this point in time, there isn't actually a designated self-storage industry COVID-19 website. But what a great idea. Maybe some of the industry's larger businesses and industry leaders could collaborate and lead the way on something like this. You could bring together the information drawn from within the industry, plus utilising risk management, safety professionals, perhaps some government information to compile everything that a self-storage business needs to know and put it in a central place. And also bearing in mind going forward into the recovery phase, which is going to be vitally important also for your industry. Naturally, the Self-Storage Industry Association would have information specific for self-storage industry. Also, various industry advisory groups, such as the various uh, state business chambers, they'll have helpful information. The big clue here is there's so much information out there. Don't listen to everything you hear or you read on social media. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of scaremongering. There's a lot of people who are trying to take advantage of people who have urgent needs in regard to keeping their business going and managing the safety of their workers. Where I seek government information from is from the New South Wales Department Government of Health and also from health.gov.au. They have the latest everyday updated information there. There's also lots of free resources such as posters and things like that that you can use for your workplace available from the World Health Organisation. They've got some amazing free resources for businesses there. Safety professionals also is a good source of reliable information. And the safety regulators as well. I rely heavily on SafeWork New South Wales, WorkSafe Queensland, people like that 
um, also, and Safe Work Australia have an awesome range of uh, information specifically designed for um, employers on how to manage this risk in their workplace. So that's basically where I get information from. Try to cut to the chase and dot point it. You only need what you need. You don't need everything else. Excellent. Great points there that you, you've suggested there, Lydia. So what are your top tips for our sites from a self-storage perspective to ensure that they are safety, that they are complying from an OH&S perspective? Um, so we, we and also our staff and our customers when it comes to COVID-19. Okay, well, let's try to dot point this a little bit. First of all, identify who your critical staff are in your organisation. So who are they? What roles do they play in keeping your business operational? What resources do they need to keep getting the job done? And what can you do if all of a sudden they can't come to work, if they need to stay at home in self-isolation, or they're unwell, or they become unavailable because they're caring for someone? So that's the first thing, I think, in self-storage, is to identify who your critical workers are for your business operations. The next thing I'd say is to, <clears throat> is to have a safety policy in place which actually includes the address of pandemic type illnesses such as the COVID-19. A lot of existing safety systems and procedures that, that people have in place may not actually cover that level of detail needed for this current situation. So it's a good time to review and enhance your policies in place. The next thing is to have an infection control procedure in place also that includes COVID-19. It's not just your standard hygiene protocols that are needed. What that would need to cover off is personal hygiene requirements for the staff specific to COVID-19, the personal protective equipment that's needed, how and when to use it, and importantly, alternatives if what you want them to use isn't available. You might not always have a staff member who can access gloves. What can you use as an alternative? There's a whole lot of really ingenious ideas that, that can be used in the, in the interim. Know what to do if a staff member is potentially exposed. Also, have your self-isolation social distancing information immediately available and be able to implement that for your staff. Of course, most of you will have already got that implemented at this point. You also need to have a procedure that covers how to set up the facility to reduce the risk of exposure. So are you going to use signs, barriers, markers on the floor? Are you going to have restricted areas, restricted workouts, things like that? And have a go-to person for your professional advice. And you need support for your management and your staff. So everyone needs a go-to person. Who do you pick up the phone and ask a question when you have one? That's an interesting thing. So they're probably for, for self-storage, um, some of the critical things. Um, I'd also like to cover remote work procedures for your staff because naturally that's a big issue in your industry. Yeah. Okay, so you need systems for your staff to work at home. So they need to complete something such as a work at home assessment checklist. Because as an employer, you are responsible for their health and safety, even though they're working at home while they're on duty. So you need to make sure that what they've set up at home does consider their workplace safety. You need effective communication mechanisms in place as well. If your staff are going to work uh, effectively and safely from home and look after your customers' needs as, as well as your, yours as a business operator, you need to be able to communicate with them um, easily and effectively yep. and not over-communicate with them as well. Mm -hmm. Regular monitoring of sites for new hazards. Um, you might be operating sites remotely, but what happens if a new hazard pops up 
and you don't know about it. So you need to look at what system can we have in place for monitoring new hazards. So who's going to do that? How are you going to do it? And how often do we need to actually have a look at our site to see if there's anything new that's, that's come up? Regular cleaning of sites in high access areas too. Same questions. Who's going to do that? How's it going to be done? And how often do we actually need to clean the place? And this is additional cleaning, not your usual yeah. cleaning. Also, what about biohazard or decontamination kits for staff? So if you've got a staff member that needs to go in to access uh, a special unit or something that's a problem, if you actually can supply them or they can organise one for themselves, a decontamination kit. We did this in the equestrian industry only two years ago when we had uh, equine influenza outbreak where you had the kit in the car, you turn up at so on site, you put your kit out into your necessary PPE, go and do whatever you need to do, come back, decontaminate, everything goes back in the car, system for washing clothes, etc., yeah. So that your staff can safely access, deal with any issues, come back, and they're not taking infection back away with them. So that's, that's a really good idea, particularly in your industry when you're working things remotely. Another important point is your mental health support for your workers. This is a really stressful situation for everyone, as we all know. Absolutely. Mental health issues um, are a critical thing that you need to start to address for all your staff and also for your customers because some of your customers perhaps are going to be under a lot of um, personal stress. You don't know what their situation is come onto site. That may influence how they behave and how they react to different situations on site as well. And importantly, how do you bring your staff back to the workplace post-COVID-19? as well so have a look at putting procedures in place to get people back onto site working effectively when they could have potentially been off site and away from work for quite some months yeah next i'd like to mention communication with your customers emails of course email your customers on how are you going to operate during your lockdown how does that look for them how does that work for them and again, who do they go to to ask questions and can they access assistance if they have a problem when they get on site? How do they do that? Also have signage in place at the front gate, at the office, around the site and line markings for social distancing, things like that. Posters are really great. Just something really quick, simple, effective for them. Restrict some areas if possible. So you're limiting the amount of potential contamination on your site. If there's certain areas that you know don't have to be accessed, close them off and that's one less thing to worry about. Hand sanitizer or soap dispensers. Um, soap is really all that people need. You don't actually need to go to the hand sanitizer. There is a problem of course if you provide soap or hand sanitizer in bathroom facilities or on sites that people may just walk out the door with it because it's a really hot it's item as we all know. It's totally hard to get. <clears throat> but you can do things like a put uh, wall-mounted soap containers on and yeah. fill it up. It's a lot harder for people to walk out the door with those unless they happen to be carrying a screwdriver, but people can be inventive at times. So that's sort of the, the thing to do there is to, to try to provide facility for them to help their decontaminating when they're on your site. Encourage with your customers essential access purposes only. So they're not just popping in for no great reason, and they're not using it as a bit of an excuse to go and have a social outing with someone with the shed next door, the unit next door that they're friends with. So that 
you need to know why they're accessing. Do they have to actually access it or can that be delayed till another time without any direct um, negative impact on them? The other thing with your customers is how do you encourage them or how do you enforce compliance with your procedures? These are questions that with management you're going to have to talk about. If you particularly have CCTV or something and you see someone willfully not complying with something, how are you actually going to enforce that? What procedures have you got in place to do that? How are you going to approach that? The last thing is, of course, your ability to operate remotely. So we all need to take advantage of remote access technologies that are available. I'm sure most of the self-storage customers and businesses have, have already experienced that. How do you ramp that up to help your business operations keep going? And how do you reduce the exposure and potential risk of people? Yep. Technology is the best way to do that. Again, technology and information always are great with risk management. So to conclude on that point, remember to monitor your site for new hazards, have a way of mitigating the risk from those hazards, and the more you can operate your business remotely, the less risk to everyone. Uh, thank you, Lydia. Great, great advice. Obviously, uh, it is challenging times, and from a technical perspective, contactless move-ins, you really see that really ramping up, obviously, in the States. Mm. Uh, they're really pushing forward to, you know, that as well. So it is definitely changing and uh, absolutely uh, valuable information that you provided. So let's say, for instance, if, if we're informed, my next question is, if we're informed that a customer has COVID-19 and they've accessed the storage, let's say within the past week, two weeks, um, what action do we need to take uh, from an operator or from a management company or from an owner's perspective, please? Okay, so the first thing is you need to establish some things. Who's been in contact with the customer on site? What's the potential level of exposure? Was there social distancing involved at the time when they were on site and perhaps if they were uh, speaking with your staff? How long were people exposed? Was that exposure period greater than 15 minutes? Uh, anything greater than 15 minutes, there's a higher risk level of um, contamination. Was the person actually feeling sick during the contact? Did they know they had the virus or were they perfectly well and, were un and that was unknown at that time? Something else to establish is what area of the facilities did they actually uh, access? So did they only go to a certain area? Did they only visit their particular unit? Did they use the bathroom? Did they go to the office? That sort of thing. What direct contact did they actually have with workers and other people on site? Is that known? And were they actually using or wearing any PPE at the time? So if you can establish those sort of um, answers, that gives you a better idea on what the risk level actually is. So what actions do we take? Okay, well, we need to first of all confirm if the person in question has been tested or not uh, for the virus and if that test has actually been positive. They may have been unwell, but it may have actually been something else, not COVID-19 for a yeah. start. Yeah. So know what you're dealing with. Uh, any staff exposed, have they gone into self-isolation because of that um, contact or do they now perhaps need to have a, have a look at, at that happening? And does anyone need to seek immediate medical advice? If you've had a staff member with direct contact with someone who is now confirmed with COVID-19, there's actually mandatory requirements to seek medical attention and to notify that to the health department. Um, again, that's so that they can establish all of those previous questions that we've just been asking so that they can help mitigate the risk from that. Um, so if there's areas of the facility that have been in contact with the infected person, um, can that now be isolated from the general public? If it's two weeks ago, 
are we closing the gate after the horse has bolted, so to speak? Um, are there special things now that we need to uh, put in place to come in and clean those particular areas or to isolate them until they're um, decontaminated before those they actually go back into use? Really importantly, support for that worker uh, who's potentially been exposed. There's mm. nothing worse than the, um, the unknown and the fear of potentially being exposed to something, particularly if that occurred a little while ago. So it's vitally important to support that person and to make sure they have all the information that they need to manage their own health. Um, so if they're going to be isolated working at home, um, you need to have the, some sort of HR procedures in place for them, how, how they actually uh, work at home. Um, and have a think about, does anybody else need um, consideration of self-isolation as well? Do you have other workers who have been in contact with that worker who's potentially exposed as well? Yeah. yeah. So to, just to identify that. Um, and of course, workers shouldn't return to work if they've been uh, self-isolating or if they've been sick themselves uh, until they've got a medical clearance to do so. That's really important. Absolutely. So if they've been exposed to someone with um, the virus and they've self-isolated but themselves haven't been ill, okay, they may well be clear to come back. Personally, I'd probably still go for them to have a medical uh, certificate for clearance. Certainly if they've been unwell at all, yeah. again, medical clearance. Because you need to know as an employer that um, that, that uh, potential exposure isn't going to come back into your workplace. Um, so that's probably that, unless there's any further questions on that. That's fantastic. Obviously, um there's a lot to take on board there and we just got to really make sure that, you know, we want to protect the staff um, mm. and obviously from a customer perspective as well and just follow those sort of, you know, those guidelines um, that you've suggested there. So obviously uh, we're going to get through this, uh, you know, so from a post COVID-19 like crystal ball, how do you see uh, from a safety, from an OH&S perspective, how the self storage industry will change from it or what will they take on board? Do you think? Yeah, uh, great question there, Mark. Um, to be honest, I think there's likely to be an increase in remote access procedures for sites that potentially stay in place. Yeah. Because once you've got it all up and working, and if it works really, really well, why not go go with it? So I, I see that as a potential future there. I think one thing that's going to be for sure from a safety perspective, there's going to be a heightened awareness amongst site owners and the operational management for effective and comprehensive safety management systems. Uh, for both sites and workers. Um, and the whole aspect of prevention is better than cure and let's be prepared. Uh, I think going forward, everybody's gonna be much better prepared in the unlikely event that this sort of situation happens again. So I think there's a, definitely gonna be a heightened awareness of the importance that safety protocols um, and, and having them effectively rolled out, what that means to your business. I think it's gonna result in better systems and procedures in place for identification and control of biological hazards on sites. I'm not sure there's been uh, a lot of procedures in place to, uh, to this higher level. Uh, yeah. I think there's been isolated procedures in place for perhaps for if there's chemical spills and things like that, but not really for these sort of biological hazards. So uh, from this, we're all going to have better systems in place and more awareness. And we're going to have all the dot points and be able to action those a lot quicker if this sort of situation happens again. I think from a legislative um, perspective, there's probably going to be a tightening up of monitoring of legislative compliance 
in particular for emergency preparedness and WHS uh, safety systems overall for the industry. I, I don't think there's been a lot of oversight on that so far. And I think that probably now that there's greater awareness of the risks involved, um, particularly for these sort of industries, um, because you are an essential business that is going to keep operating throughout this situation, that I think there will be more oversight perhaps from reg regulators to make sure that everyone has adequate procedures in place for the future. Yeah, no. I see those as probably my, my, my top four outcomes. Yeah, um, other things, I'm not sure who knows. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But yeah, I suppose that's the thing with, uh, with the self-storage, obviously with outside of um, sort of Australia New Zealand, self-storage industry is actually deemed as an essential service. Um, yeah. so it's something that we would like to see is an essential service across Australia and New Zealand. Absolutely. We certainly do believe it is. Um, and as mm. obviously you've made points that it, it should be as well. So for us, it's, um, we would like to see that probably something moving forward is into the future. Um, cause obviously there's, that's really important. And like you said, it, there will be things that are changing, but they're going to change for the better for everyone. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I think as far as being an essential service, you know, if you have, uh, people who are storing PPE, uh, medical supplies, things like that, um, that immediately in my mind says it's an essential service. If, yeah. if people are stuck away from home and they need to store equipment or supplies or anything like that, again, who do they go to? They go to self-storage places. Uh, even for first responders uh, are, are quite likely in some facilities uh, storing equipment for those first response things. Yeah. So um, as far as it being an essential service, I'd be giving it a big tick for oh, that. Thank you very much, Lydia. And well done for keeping operating too. Yeah, that's right. So is there anything else that you'd like to add or share uh, with our listeners today um, that perhaps you might, that we might, may have not discussed as yet? Um, well, look, I think my motto is that safe business is smart business. Um, the more prepared you are for emergency situations and major health and safety risks, the more aware you are of the importance of having effective and compliant systems in place, the more proactive you are with the safety culture in your workplace, then the greater potential your business has of surviving major workplace health and safety events such as this current pandemic. So the more you can protect the safety and well-being of your workers, yourself and your customers, that's a big plus. So that's my takeaway message is that being a safe business is smart business and that's going to help carry us through uh, post-COVID-19 and into the future, better equipped and smarter at how we do business. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Lydia. We really do appreciate your insight. We understand how busy you are. Um, certainly from a store local perspective, I can't thank you enough for what you do for us. Um, you're always there, which is great. And um, obviously uh, we'll get through this and yeah, the things will change for the future, but um, it's great to have you on to do that today. And it'd be good to see maybe in a week or two, let's, let's reconvene and, and see, because obviously each day is everything is certainly changing. Uh, so yeah, be good absolutely. To provide a further feedback to the listeners, but particularly within Australia, it may change there. And as New Zealand come out of their self-quarantine uh, session as well, I suppose. So Lydia, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for inviting me. And everybody, stay safe, happy and well. Take oh, care. Thank, thanks, Lydia.